In 2021, Talk About It Outdoors partnered with an industry-leading brand that has stamped its name on the outdoor industry. Cruiser Saddles in itself stands on perfection, and with every climb we make, we elevate ourselves above the rest. In addition to a support to our hunting journey, the men and women behind Cruiser believe in the same principles of life as us. Faith, family, and the blessings of being better as they go in every sit. If your desire to pursue your passions one step ahead of the rest, go ahead and get in the best. Check them out on all the socials or head over to their website at www.cruiser.com. That's C-R-U-Z-R.com. And tell them to talk about it outdoors, boys, and Chasing Weekends sent you their way. The journey of life has a unique way of being able to create tried and true friendships as we go. In forming those relationships, oftentimes good things come to follow. Talk About It Outdoors is proudly supported by Cal Hardy of Arrowhead Land Company. Cal is the leading broker over Georgia and is happy to assist you with finding the place where you can call home. With vast knowledge and an understanding of the ever-evolving real estate market and a unique old-school approach to everything he does, he exemplifies what it means to treat others like you'd want to be treated. Don't settle for being just another number in a phone. Choose Cal Hardy for all your land, home, and commercial real estate needs and become a part of his family. We sure are blessed to have him as a part of ours. Find him on Facebook, Instagram, or give him a call at 770-296-2163. Step back to the times when a feed store was more than just that, and the people inside smiled with friendly faces and provided a place for a talk on life, as well as all your essential farm, livestock, and pet needs. Cherokee Feed the Seed located in Ball Ground, Georgia, with an additional location in Gainesville, are the hometown supplier of all your cattle, equine, and pet needs, with the added addition of being able to keep your deer herd healthy with protein and minerals. They also carry an assortment of hunting blinds and gear, and you can rest easy knowing the people that support local ball clubs and children's sports are who your hard-earned money is going to. The people here greet you with a handshake and a smile, and Cherokee Feed and Seed give more than just a product. They give you a welcome that'll make you return time and time again. Stop in next time you're in the area and tell them you're part of the Talk About It Outdoors family. A few years back, when an overbearing and overgrown backyard became an eyesore, I looked for a solution to resolve. LRS Land Services created a stunning and complete transformation turnkey at an affordable price with their mulching services. Not limited to mulching, LRS can provide turnkey grading and clearing, maintenance, right-of-way clearing, and even development for any and all forestry needs. With an innovative outlook on what is best for your land and a completely different approach than others, LRS can transform your overgrown eyesore into a beautiful landscape of your dreams. Give them a call at 404-889-1105 or check their work out on Facebook at LRS Land Services. Logan and his team are ready to make your land brand new again. Building the foundation of your life starts at the base, and the stronger it is, the better. 
Talk About It Outdoors is proud of our strong partnership with United Concrete and Paving and the foundation of support they provide. Whether your new home being built needs concrete work or that driveway you're tired of beating all the bearings from your pickup needs a paving, Michael and his team can provide any residential or commercial project support you might need from the ground up. If you're tired of tripping over that unsettled patio slab or a future shop build needs a smooth start, United Concrete and Paving can get you going when you need it most. Give them a call at 404-831-3036 and make sure you tell them them TAI boys are where you heard it first. Ready, Nick? Let's do it. All right, everybody, talking about it outdoors, coming to you live from the Cruiser Saddle Studio once again. We got a returning friend, long-time supporter of Talk About It Outdoors, and someone we've grown to love like family. Coming back to join us tonight, this is episode 202. We're glad to have you here with us. Y'all pull up a chair and set a while. This is going to be a good one. Nick, Nick, go calm down, calm down now. It's, it's, it's turkey calling time, son. It's it here. is turkey calling time. <laughs> uh, what are you doing? No. What's wrong? You have your microphone down or something? I don't know. I think so. Maybe my earpiece. Just turn up, just touch. How's that? Uh, yeah, that's good. Good. All right. Well, good. I well, don't know if he touched anything, but it's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, glad to be here tonight. Good to see you. Glad you're here. Um, friend of the show longtime supporter talk about it outdoors and and someone we have grown to love like family is joining us back tonight it's been uh, quite a while since he was here october 7 2021 the gentleman that's joining us tonight came on for the first time and after we had met him at a show a trade show um and then became someone that we've talked to off and on throughout the year and somebody that we've uh well we've grown a lot of admiration and respect for over the years and he's back here with us tonight so cal hardy welcome back to talk about it outdoors glad to be back you don't have to talk good about me because i'm here <laughs> yeah. last time you were on was in at the wilson studio it was and and it we've, was. we've changed studios you've of course been here since then you've came and visited us and stuff like that so glad to have you back a lot of changes in your life new careers on the horizon i'm sure we'll get into that and talk about that a little bit more but it's been a uh it's been a a long-standing relationship that you developed with us, and I just want to say thank you for everything you've done for us. First and foremost, get that out of the way. If I had an applause hand, I'd yeah, yeah. throw it out there. But appreciate it, buddy. Well, Thanks thank for you. coming yeah. back. It's easy to support people like y'all. I mean, y'all are cut from the same cloth that I am, right? And um, we have a lot of common interests, and y'all are doing great stuff. So, I mean, y'all y'all pump me up way more than what I am. <laughs> there was who was it said that? Um, when they listened to us talk about you on the show, they imagined you being six foot four and weighing like 250 pounds oh or boy, something. Oh, boy, it came with RP to the bow shoot. It was Ricky. Yeah, yeah Ricky yeah. said yeah. that. He said, I had you pictured as the biggest cowboy that ever yeah. lived. Sorry I let him down. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that you let him down, but he, he – he, and it's funny how you get a perception of somebody hearing them on here because we don't see, you know, especially early on, we didn't see or video anything, and now it's – well, it's the age of social media where we've got so much of us out there that you can see pictures of us and everything else. So, 
That's right. You are Mr. 130. I am, yeah. I'm actually about 168 now. I've been putting on a few pounds. That banana pudding and Oreos at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning has been catching yeah, up Yeah, you can bust out the buttons on that Wrangler jacket. That, easy now. I can't outgrow that thing. I will have to go on a diet before I outgrow my Wrangler jacket. Well, uh, for what it's worth, this weekend coming up is the first calling competition of 2024. We're going down with a host of friends. Be in the rear view when this comes out. It will be farther. It will be one, two days removed when this one drops out. But yep. for uh, for everyone that's um, that's preparing for that, I want you to tell them what your prep work is for that now because we're going to do a little dialogue series and what it goes through it. But tell me what you're preparing and how you're preparing yourself for it. Uh, let me let me clear something up from the last episode, though, on Uh-oh. the dog episode. I need Uh-oh. to clear something up because <laughs> I got a couple of comments. Uh-oh. Yeah. So when I went back and I was telling that story about my grandmother – taping that dog's mouth up (laughs) she did take the tape off the next morning okay guys she did take the tape off the dog the dog lived for like 10 more years but it never barked again so i had to clear that up a couple of people asked me did you and grandma kill that dog she didn't she didn't but no i need to clear that up um going into your question man just just practicing just driving kelsey up the wall and uh i practiced non-stop terry actually called me today and he's like you you getting ready of course he was halfway being a smart aleck but i said yeah all the time but um and, and i've said it on here multiple times my favorite place to, to practice is in the shower um i wonder why your hands look so wrinkled you've been spending so much time in the shower <laughs> <laughs> like you got a prune hanging it, over i don't know it's just good acoustics but no I, just just listening to myself and uh i've sent a few sound files out it's kind of like listening to yourself back on this i don't really like listening to myself call well, I so, tell you, I took some advice from you on that playing in the shower and practicing, and uh, I, I got to that damn pot call. Don't play too well under the shower head, though. I've I've got it soaking get them fiber, wet. You got to get them fiberglass strikers. Oh, I got yeah, you. That's I got what you. I do. Well, that box don't call, get your box I, wet. Hell, it's swelled up now. I can't even hardly use it. It's like a sheet of plywood yeah, outside. Your chalk, your chalk gets wet. It's hurt. Dang. Man, I wish you'd have told me that before. It's just mouth calls you yeah, practice yeah. with. In the I didn't say you turn the water on when you get in the shower. I said practice. Well, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was in there soap on my head. Shown, 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 shown. Like my striker was I slipping bet you used out to take of my a bubble bath, wouldn't you? Well, a candle lit and stuff like that. Had me a glass <laughs> of Merlot. Maybe turn them lights down low. Laps <laughs> and salt. What are you? What are you doing to practice? How about that? Well, I went and visited an old buddy of ours. Yeah. Um, went and saw Clay up at Shag Hill, and I had talked to Clay a few weeks ago and told him I wanted to come by and, and get him to help me some. After we'd first started talking about going. And uh, I went, let's see, whatever day it was, he he called me that morning. I said, well, I got to work for a while. He said, well, holler at me after a while. We text back and forth throughout the day. And I said, you'd shop? He said, yeah, come on by. So I, I rode by and him and, um, <laughs> golly, I, I ain't going to get started on who was there because there was there was a, a Richard, his dad was there, which I love seeing his dad. I've known him my whole life and, and seeing him. And then Matt Lacey was there and Matt's building some crow calls and stuff now. And he was working on some of those and, but my old buddy Wes Crook was there, and if you if you don't know Wes or anybody that doesn't know him, I would love to get him over and put him on a podcast. But we'd probably be canceled if I did because he is wide open as a case knife. I mean, he is uh, he listens to the show, he hears it from time to time. So if you hear this, Wes, it was good to see you, buddy. And uh, I hope it's not as long for sure because we we definitely get a lot of fun when we're together. But um, broke out my my call that he'd that I'd got from him um, a year or so ago when the first, really last turkey season, I told him I wanted one. And I got it, and I took it up there, and we played around on it a minute, and he said, this ain't a, this is a killing call. This ain't a competition call. So he might have he might have opened up a special drawer over there and, and drug me a few calls out, and we ripped around on them, played them a little while, and 
he made me practice there for a while and kind of got me tuned up a little bit. So, so you completely switched from you were going to run a mouth call down there and your first time going, now you're going to do friction. So now you're going to be a friction guy. Um, I guess. Completely, completely different. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I know well enough to, to, to listen to myself that I can't, the mouth calls, I can't do them yet. I mean, I feel like I can continue to learn and maybe get, I don't know if I'll ever get well enough to call on a competition on one, but I would like to get proficient enough to be able to hunt with it a little bit. But the purring's driving me crazy because I can't flutter my tongue, and, and that's something that I'm going to have to be able to do if I'm going to call. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna work to work on a pot call best I can, maybe a box call down the road, and just kind of focus on one thing. I think that's a big problem with, with a lot of things that I do in life. I get if there's one item, I want them all. You know, I want to play a mouth call, box call, trumpet. You know, I get everything that, that's possible oh. and gadgets. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm sorely afraid that I'm falling deeply, deeply in debt already to this turkey hunting game and not just my just mental begin. state it, because mm-hmm. – it is – I've bought me a new vest already for this year. I got me a sling the other day. I've got a couple new turkey calls. I've got things that, that are making me uh, more and more um, not focused. I'll say that. I am scattered in 9,000 different directions right now, if you could believe that. I, I tell you, we were on the phone earlier, man, Alex, and he said uh, something we were talking about. No, I didn't say something. that. You're lying. And he said – I've just got turkey on the brain. And I went, whoa, whoa. I said, God, I wish I would have recorded that. I know he does. Now, um, I mean, I don't know. I don't I don't want to go down too big of a rabbit hole with it because we got Cal here. But I do want to ask real quick, um, what are you nervous about going down there, Colin? No. no. I'm not nervous about getting in front of nobody. I tell you what I'm nervous about is – getting getting up there and, and going through the sequence uh, that I've got in my mind because I've kind of got it in my mind what I each call I want to do as far as cadence goes and I don't have enough experience to remember every one of them so I've listened to a lot of YouTube stuff and there's a there's a thing on Spotify called treetop turkeys I'm sure you've seen it I've I've blown away at how many sounds and you know I just haven't spent a whole lot of time in the turkey woods but the sounds that turkeys make, and I'm sure this is a place there's 10,000 turkeys at. Mm-hmm. So hearing the different things, and, and I tell you, I heard a thing today on there that kind of intrigued me that somebody from uh, Woodhaven, I think that's who, who does that, Treetop Turkeys, it's with them. Somebody was talking on there, and they said that competition calling is all about cadence. They get into a cadence. Turkeys are all in a cadence, 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 cadence. I kept hearing that, and I've heard you mention that. Get your cadence down. Get your cadence. I've heard John talk about that and carry cadence, cadence. But he said the only turkey call in the woods that you'll never hear a cadence or a consistency in is a fly-down cackle. Some birds do it just peck, peck, and they're on the ground. Some, and I was thinking about that, and I think, well, no wonder. I mean, they're flying to different levels. They're flying from different heights, you know, and so maybe for coming further, they they call more. But there's no consistency to that. And I, I just thought it was pretty neat. Too. Did you see that? And I'm sure you did. There's a TikTok that come out or Instagram reel or something yesterday. I guess somebody was on a lake somewhere and videoed all those turkeys yeah, soaring across that, the boat docks. Mm-hmm. Did you I see, see it? it. Mm-hmm. I bet there were probably a lot, a hundred, a hundred turkeys. Yeah, probably. and I bet I bet you didn't hear, but two or three of them make a noise flying down. So you 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 get you know yes I think there's a distinct sound but I don't think it's all I don't think there's a right or wrong as long as you sound like it 
Uh, what's your goal for going down there competing? Uh, learning. I want to see the whole because I've never I, I've only been you know to two calling competitions with you and didn't really pay that much attention to what was going on because I frankly I had no thought process to get <laughs> into care. didn't care I'm like whatever I'll go in here and watch Nick and you know that's that's about the extent of it but learning just you know getting to see folks I enjoy hanging out and I think it's the one thing that I've consistently learned about turkey hunting is it is a very very tight knit group and turkey calling and call building is even worse than turkey hunting I mean it's this guy knows this guy this guy knows this guy and I watched you and Corey talk for outside up there for for an hour you know and i'm thinking he talks to him on the phone all the time but he don't get to see him that much in person and the same thing when when i went and visited with clay and them and you and i've got a project that we're currently um, planning to work on and start working on but hopefully we get some of it done before turkey season and you hear names that just are synonymous with turkey hunting and I've told you since the beginning, one of the things that intrigued me about it was the the stories and the 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 opportunity to make it into something. Then I've got things that I've written down and started taking notes and stuff like that. But it's it's a it's going to be a fun trip. We're going to go down there. We're going to have a good time. Cody and I are riding down together. Chris King's going to ride with us. It sounds like now, and um, yep. we're going to go down. and And I think it'll be an opportunity for us yeah. to just kind of talk and shoot the breeze and kind of plan out the year. I mean, it gives us a chance to kind of lay down the roadblock i mean we're 20 days into 2024 and we ain't really made no plans for what you know what's coming up because it's going to be a busy year from from the word go oh yeah absolutely so i i can keep going down here but Cal, no yeah Cal, Cal didn't come over here to talk turkey oh, come on run with it I'm <laughs> a, I, you know i done got motivated i'm gonna try to shoot a few this year myself <laughs> well that's right. something you were talking about early on you're going after your first osceola yep have you ever you. killed a turkey? I've shot one in my entire life. Well, I mean, I got two, so I'm just ahead of you there a little you bit. I've shot and missed a few times, but I only <laughs> shot one. You know, I, I've I've shot and missed probably about everything I've ever shot at, so I'm right there with you on that, too. Right. I'm sure I'll miss plenty of turkeys in my lifetime. So what is it? <laughs> tell tell the audience what uh, our good friend Stanley Payne said I was last night. I, I can't say what no, he no, said. No, not what was. he said I was, but what about the gun. Oh, <laughs> said Nick was a shotgun. What did he say? Uh, he said uh, he uh, he shoots bullshit, but he don't scatter it. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. No, Stanley and Dad's going to come over and, and do a podcast with us. We've got them about mm-hmm. talked into it. And they said when we got Chipper on there, Stanley told us, he said, Jeff, he'll never have us on now. He's got, they got Chipper on there. They're too high and mighty for us. So, Cal, you missed the dog episode last week with us. I did. Yeah. I did, unfortunately. Tell I was, us. I was out of town. I, and I don't know if you listened to it, but we had a lot of people write in and tell us kind of their favorite story about their favorite dog. If, if you got one, there's probably multiple ones, but. Tell us one real quick about Probably you. one of my favorite ones that I've heard my dad tell and his older brother a hundred times. Every time they get together, somehow they tell this story. They had an old English pointer, a uh, female, and they were hunting some big like turpentine type pines, quail hunting. And um, this dog went on point on a covey and their dad was running point right behind the dog and he flushed a single in between the covey and the dog. So he raised up, shot the bird. Dog turned around, caught the bird in its mouth, and went back on point with a covey in front of him. Oh, wow. That's, that's wild. Yeah. yeah. And my dad said him and his brother didn't say anything at the time, but when they got back to the truck, they said, did you see what I saw? 
And he yeah. said, if both of them weren't there, I'd, I wouldn't believe it. But they right. were both there at the same time. And we actually had this recreated and had a guy paint it and gave it to him for Christmas one year. I'll be dang. Do you, uh, you've got two dogs now, right? Yep. Yep. I've got a lab and a Brittany. Brittany, when you was a kid, did y'all run the same type of dogs or? My dad had, uh, they had all kinds of dogs. And he, they just had dogs that took up, you know. Yeah. Pe- pe- people, they said they never bought a dog. Everybody got, brought them dogs and they just kept them. But, freebies. Uh, yeah. You know, in South Georgia, bird hunting, the English pointer, most people just call them pointers is the traditional dog. But we had a Brittany as a family dog and we had a Lab as a family dog growing up. So we've been around them kind of on and off my whole life. Is that Jesse? Jesse is the Brittany. Yeah. yeah. Morgan I, is the Lab. I was talking highly about how well Jesse worked. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she is. She's something. She's fireball now, Tasmanian devil. When you drop the tailgate, you better be ready to go. So we probably have a lot of guys that duck hunt that listen to this podcast, but, and again, as long as it's been since you've been over, Cal, we don't really talk to many duck hunters or have many duck hunters on. Would you prefer to duck hunt, waterfowl hunt, or upland hunt? We might have asked you that last time, Man, but I don't it's remember. It's hard to say because they kind of, they kind of, where we live, they, they overlap a little bit. So I can go shoot upland early season to where the ducks aren't here yet. I can go September, October, and then when duck season here is really good, it's usually January. And then when January ends, quail season runs through February, so you can pick up some birds then too. And you're not having to fight, you know, snakes, skeeters, and all fresh briars and everything. A lot of the greenery's died off. Yeah. Is there like a uh, quest, like kind of like the turkey hunting kind of got popular chasing the 49? Is there a you got to kill an upland bird in every state. Yeah, or, so there's an upland, I think it's upland 27. I think there's 27 or th- it's either 27 or 37 species of upland that you can shoot. Um, and then, you know, there's 41 for waterfowl that you can harvest in North America too. You got it, 35 of them? Yep, I got six left on the 41 for waterfowl. And then I'm probably halfway through the upland one. Now, is it, has anybody started where they go state by state to try to kill a species in each state? There's um, Ramsey Russell, who um, is probably the most worldly traveled duck hunter in in my eyes and in our lifetime. Um, he's trying to do shoot a bird in all 50 states. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I, I figured once people kind of start doing the turkey thing and – I figured other species would catch yeah. on. Well, and it's cool, too, because you get to go see places that you normally wouldn't see, especially chasing some of these birds that are, you know, they're geographically located to these areas away from us. Like, I've been to Washington State and hunted birds, and I'm going to Alaska next year. And if it wasn't for this, I, would, I wouldn't I would be going to these places. I'm not just going to pick up and just go for a vacation. Like, that's just not who I am. But this gives me a reason, and I'm going to go up the East Coast and go to Maine. I've been to Mexico so I've seen some really cool places, met some really cool people because of it. Yeah. We went up there to Maine turkey hunting a couple of years ago, and those those guys begged us to come back and uh, shoot a partridge. Yeah. I think that's what they call mm-hmm. them. They said you can shoot them until your arm falls off up yep. there. Partridge? That, yeah. Oh, shoot them out of pear trees? Yeah. <laughs> 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 nice dad joke. <laughs> they have those. And they have a lot of rough grouse up there, too. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, I think you heard some of those in I heard the, yeah. Idaho. Yeah. yeah, oh yeah, all yeah. everywhere. Yep. Is there a smooth grouse? <laughs> Other bad joke. No. <laughs> is that what? I, is that what I sent you a picture of in in um, Utah? I think it was sharp tailed grouse or a blue grouse. That yeah, you blue sent grouse. Oh, there ain't a smooth one though. Let's get that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. 
blue, yellow, green, and, and there's there's so many <laughs> subspecies of of different animals. You've got um, I, I ain't even gonna start to try to say, but you've got like a parent species, and then you've got so many subspecies Correct. that okay, Correct. like same way with ducks, just like that bird that I brought in here today that. You know, they have a Canada goose, they have a greater Canada, a lesser Canada, they have some cacklers, they have Aleutians, what, they have all kinds of subspecies off of a branch. That's what I am, a cackler. <laughs> we were talking at the beginning about competition calling. Have you ever thought about getting into the duck calling or geese calling? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> I can Why? blow I can blow a call proficient enough to hunt where I am, but I some of those guys that call on the circuit in these calling competitions, they can blow the reeds out of a call. I mean really? It's unbelievable. Now, are they using like a, I don't know what they call it, like a call, like a call or like a diaphragm? It'll be a call. It'll be like a reed call, like a crow call. Yeah. Um. It'll be just like that, but everything's set up different from the bore diameter to the length of the call, uh, the stiffness of the thickness of the reed, single reed, double reed. It just depends on how much pressure they're running, and everybody likes something a little different. Maybe I don't pay attention to it, but you don't hear of many calling competitions around here for ducks. Not around here, no. A lot of that is they do a lot on the east east coast, like Maryland. That's traditionally they have these big waterfowl festivals, and they do a lot in the Midwest. Uh, Arkansas has the world calling competition every year. Um, they you Oklahoma, every one of our states has a duck calling competition, and you can call in the state competition just like y'all do for the turkeys, mm-hmm. and then you can qualify to go to Worlds. Okay, man, I've seen those guys on stage, and they like red in the face blowing like just oh yeah yeah see every i mean and i'm sure duck hunters or anybody else thinks the same thing about a turkey call that they can't distinguish the difference but like when i hear those guys blowing like i couldn't tell you if they're good or bad yeah well there's and there's so many different like categories like they have a a main street calling competition where it's more of just how much volume and how long you can hold a note then they have a live duck they have a meat calling competition. They have a cut down calling competition, which is a particular style of call. And then they have pairs where you call in together. Um, it's it's really really cool. If you ever get to go to one, it's it's cool to watch. I know people that walk through and listen to people squawk on calls all day that aren't you know involved can find it annoying get tired of listening to the same thing over and over again. But there's some of these people that are really really talented. Throw throw some big names out there that. That we might know that might not, might call on the circuit. Well, you know Jimbo Ronquist. Yeah, he. I mean, he has he his own compete? calls. I don't think he's calling on the circuit anymore. A lot of these guys, a lot of uh, John Stevens is a world time. Uh, he's a world, world champion. Um, and him and Jimbo worked together for a long time. The only uh, one I could think of would be is does Bo Brooks do it? Bo Brooks calls. Um, a lot of those guys that work at Higdon call too. Um, the Powers brothers. Um, uh, Hut. Field Hudnall, a um, bunch of those guys. I'm trying to think who else. There's some. Uh, Is there any local guys from Georgia? No. no. Most of these guys, uh, you'll get a lot of them from Arkansas and the Midwest and, okay. and out west because they, they do goose and waterfowl. They usually they'll have goose calling competitions and duck calling competitions at the same time. Okay. So it and I've learned this. Just I like to watch the duck commander guys, the old videos of Phil and all them when they were hunting early on. The duck men videos and a lot of times they'll say that the calling doesn't kill ducks as you spread and you set up is that true for the most part it can be the biggest thing for me is you got to be where the ducks want to be right you can go and if you're in the spot where they want to be you don't have to have a decoy out or a call 
if you're where they want to be, you're going to kill them. Yeah, that's what they, they said. You're trying to, you're not persuading the ducks that are flyovers to come in. You're persuading the ducks to get on the pond. Instead of in the pond next to you, they're coming to your pond with a spread or a call and Correct. it settles them. It was, it's neat to, because that's totally out of our wheelhouse, but it's something I've watched those guys, how they, and there's days that's, they'll sit out there some days, daylight till dark nearly and won't kill a duck. And then for three or four days and then boom, they hammer them. Yep, and it's exactly. crazy. It'd just be one weather front that'll push them in, or they'll just have a, a a group of birds that got bumped off somewhere else, and then they just show up because they're a migratory bird. They migrate all the way from the Arctic Circle to you know into Central and South America, and then they migrate back every year. I mean, I just recently in the last two weeks started hearing those. Uh, I guess there's a sandhill cranes coming yep. down. Yep, I saw so I guess a big group today. I guess it's finally getting cold enough. It's, yep, they're, they're pushing them down. And then when this big Midwest, that big cold front that comes through, when it thaws out, they'll go right back. Now, is there generally like a like a the ducks come first, the geese come second, sandhill cranes come third? A lot of times, your more hardy, beefier birds will be last. The, usually, the first birds to come through are blue wing and green wing teal. They come through early. I mean, in September, you'll see a bunch of guys in Texas and Louisiana shooting them. They have an early teal season in in um, in September, and then you have like a resident Canada goose, which is what we have around here. Those golf course geese. They have a season in September, and then. They'll close all of that and have regular season open back up. Normally, in the south, it's usually close to Thanksgiving. Okay. Did y'all see that video floating around? I believe it was a mallard with the frozen beak. Yeah. That, that yeah. was going around Instagram. That was pretty wild. She she took her beak and put it down in her, uh, underneath her wing, I guess, yep. to try to warm it up so Fall it doesn't thaw. Yeah. I've shot birds before that where they came off the roost, they still had a water froze to their wings. Oh, wow. Be able to fly. You know, you know. I think I think duck hunting's a lot like turkey hunting, deer hunting, in certain aspects. You know, it's just a tradition. It is, especially especially out there in Arkansas and stuff like that. Those guys. It seems like I don't know if it's gotten popular with these camps and stuff that you see people doing. They build these underground things. It looks like a Waffle House down there. You know, I don't know if that's popular. If it's always been like that, that's usually a geographic thing. Um, a lot of people on the front range out in the front range of the Rockies have those big pit blinds to where they're ground level. The uh, those huge giant blinds in West Tennessee and Real Foot, and then uh, Arkansas is known for flooded timber. Texas is you shoot cranes and little geese in fields, and it's a and it's a culture thing. Just like having a deer camp, they have these places where families have owned them for, for decades, and that's just where they go and hang out, and they spend time and go on the weekends, and then if they shoot a few birds, they shoot a few birds. It's more about spending time with folks and making memories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'll be down there cooking, laying on the couch, <laughs> watching TV. Got satellite TV? It's like the um, in like the Great White North where they have those giant deer huts yeah. that have satellite TV with you know roll-up windows. That's that's geographically that area, and that's just something that they do, and they go sit and stay all day, yeah. all weekend, get away from their old lady. <laughs> is there a um, is there a particular person that that's kind of a big name that you would like to go hunting with, or the Robertson family, or anything like that? That would be cool, um, just because of how iconic they are in the waterfowl industry. Um, I've been fortunate enough to hunt with some of these names. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to like, you know, no. I, I've just been, no. I've rubbed shoulders with these people just through mutual connections. I would love to go hunt with some of those Higdon guys like Bo Brooks and them in, in West Tennessee and Ballard County, Kentucky, that area. 
Um, there's a guy, his, uh, it's pit boss waterfowl. He's a guy up on the East coast and they hunt, he hunts every single day of season and he wears flip flops most of the time and <laughs> just a big burly dude. And I think he'd be really, really cool to hunt with. And, um, and you know, I said, Ramsey Russell, I've actually hunted through his, he has an outfitting service where they'll, they'll book your hunts and handle all the travel and everything for you. And I've hunted through him, through his business. But I would love to hunt with him and just spend a day in the blind, just hear some of his stories. He's traveled all over the world, uh, Europe, Asia, Australia, and shot birds everywhere. Y'all ever listen to that Dr. Duck? I have, yeah. Uh, I've listened to him. I've just listened to him when one of the Buck Commander guys is on there with him. Uh, What's his name? He hunts every day, don't he? Yeah. Him and Dennis. And then, you know, he kind of relates. He's he's very relatable because he's got young boys. He runs an HVAC uh, business, and he's got young boys that are – Played sports all the way through, and he had a couple. I think one of his boys played pro baseball too. Okay, yeah. how many how many bands you got? Zero. What? Really? Never shot a band. I've been in the blind and been hunting when seen band shot. I've seen people win the drawing that didn't even shoot. Um, but I do not personally have is that. One. Is that? I've always wondered that. Like, if you have like say six ducks come in and four get killed, and one of them's got a band, do y'all just? normally whoever shot or if they don't know who shot you just put up you do a shotgun shell you put one odd one and draw or short do straw. what now hold on a minute go back you you do what with a shotgun shell so you'll have you'll take five shotgun shells that are the same and you'll have the sixth one will be a different color or different caliber put them in a hat and whoever draws the odd one gets the band oh, okay a lot of times if um if you don't do a drawing, whoever got permission on the field gets it, or if somebody's dog retrieved it, the dog gets it, so the owner gets it. Huh. That's cool. I can't. I, I figured you had a rope. Nope. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. No. There's a lot of guys that, uh, that hunt. I mean, that are guides that hunt every day. That have a, have a ton, and especially people that have their privately owned stuff where they have it managed for waterfowl. Realistically, in a sixty day season, I probably only hunt. 15 20 days of right. waterfowl gotcha. i got a buddy down in louisiana randy gary waterfowl mercenary was his outfitter and this is back in the late 80s early 90s and he was one of the first ones you know down in there doing this mercenary kind of game style or whatever and he started videoing i've got those videos i may have thrown them away they was dvds and they got wet and saw the paper on the front of them peeled off that joker's got ropes and ropes and ropes oh, yeah. of bands down yeah. there out of louisiana don't get many banded ducks this way do you in georgia you do i mean i've seen probably more shot in the past two years you know uh the years around covid a lot of the banding projects are in canada so when the border was closed they didn't band i know for a year Mm. um maybe two and it cut down on some of the numbers but they used to do net collars you see a lot of transmitters on birds now but with, I feel like I see a lot of them shot just because we're connected through social media and everybody yeah. posts one. Right. Um, but I, there were some boys in the Waffle House in, in my hometown. They shot a banded wood duck opening day. Hmm. I could do, tell you. Do you follow that Bradley Cohen that we had on the podcast? He's the birdieologist. Yeah. 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 He is full of information. Oh, man. Like, it's almost if he can nerd out to where <laughs> you can't, you can't keep up with him. Like he, his knowledge is so vast and so far beyond a lot of folks that it, it's hard to keep up with. Yeah, but he knows me. his mm. stuff. Yeah, me. we were we were going to try to get him back on or get some of his uh, students back on to talk about ducks, but we never have. We should look into that. 
Um, do they ban turkeys? Yeah, I think so. They did. They definitely put the radio trackers on them. Yeah, but I, I do think they put some bans on them in certain states. Huh. Um, Carol, when you guys go to these blinds, and this is just a question because I've never actually I've never actually been duck hunting, but if you go out to a, a, a underwater blind or a field blind, is there like a do you have like a lead guy that says, "Hey, this is what we're going to do," and he explains like, especially I guess it's more than you guys. And the reason I asked this is, is because when I was in Illinois this year deer hunting, it came across the news that one of the guys in the blind got swung on and got shot in the face. And I didn't know if there's like a lead guy that says, you know, takes control and you you shoot this way. You know, you have to say that to guys. Do you? If you go on a guided hunt, the guides or whoever you're, you know, who you're paying to hunt with, they normally handle that. If you're just going with some buddies, there's usually somebody that's the hunt boss, quote unquote. Yeah. That handles everything they'll go over it if you've hunted with people enough you kind of know i mean you shoot 10 and 2 you know where everybody is you don't you know shoot behind you you don't shoot when dogs are in the water unless the owner of the dog has given you permission to shoot it's just it's common knowledge after you've done it enough but but for new people a lot of times you'll have a, somebody that's a quote unquote senior or an older person that's more experienced, and they'll they'll kind of tell you, "Hey, don't do this, do this." Gotcha. But it's more just gun safety yeah. as well. You had any hunts ruined by somebody shooting too early? Just oh yeah, oh yeah, not not knowing and just being. And being oh like, yeah, just jumping the gun. Yeah, yeah. you have you know, they'll want to. There'll be one bird working, and then there'll be forty behind them, and they raise up and shoot the one, and the forty flare off. <laughs> yeah, really. And they'll, and they'll raise up and shoot and miss at the one, and then there's forty flaring off, and then. You take his gun for the next volley. So he can't shoot into the next volley. It's a, it's a penalty. He's in timeout. Okay. Man. That's funny. That'd be me. Well, I listened to... Uh, premature ejector. <laughs> <laughs> Constant premature ejection, boys. I gave her all I got. <laughs> I listened to uh, that Unashamed podcast and Jace Roberts, man, he's... When they take them new guys, he talks about how hard he is on them. Yeah. And, well, uh, and like, they, he'll, he's like, look, y'all better have thick skin if you're going to duck hunt with me. They're a whole different breed. Like, they eat, sleep, live, you know, that's what they do. And they're there every day, and they have the property and have it managed. And, like, if you ever got an invite to go with them, you better be <laughs> by the books because you're never getting invited back if you're not. <laughs> right, right. Well, before I lose this thought because it came up a second ago, but for everybody listening, you're actually the one that hooked us up with Will Primos on here. And you made that contact with us. How was how was shooting with Will? Will shot my eyes out <laughs> with a four ten side by side. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. <laughs> that man can shoot. And you know, at all the years that you've seen him on the truth and you've seen all their T V shows and all the big game stuff that he's done, I think in his later years he has really come to love sporting shooting and and bird hunting and upland hunting. Uh, me and him I had my dogs with me the day that we met and I was letting them out run around. Just, I was there early letting them run around. I could just feel somebody over my shoulder and I just turned and look. I mean, I'm a little starstruck, you right. know, that's, that's Will Primos. Right. And he starts asking questions about my dogs and then we go back and forth and he starts pulling out his phone and showing me pictures of all his bird hunts and everything <laughs> and all the places that he's been. And it was really, really cool to have that conversation with him because yet one, I never thought I'd have a conversation with Will Primos. Right. Two, it definitely wouldn't be about upland hunting in my eyes. It would have been about a big game or some type of other hunt that he had been on. That's right. I think it, 
if you look at the timeline of of Will's journey through you know his business life and his his outdoor industry life, and then of course later on when he got involved in retired life, you you're you're right. I mean, you've seen him have those moments where he kind of changed from turkey hunting to deer hunting. Now he's into waterfowl. At the time when you were speaking with him, did you did you feel like it was him being genuine speaking to you? And, I, and there, there's a reason I asked that question. Was it a genuine uh, act of conversation, or was he just making conversation? Oh, it was one hundred percent genuine conversation. Me and him were the only two people around. Like I was there an hour early, right? And I was just like I said, I'm just letting my dogs out run around, and he just comes and stands there, and he's just watching me and the dogs. In fact, he he. Said, hey, come get in the truck. I want to show you. And he showed me around the place that we were hunting. He's a member at this. It was where they have the Sporting Clay National Championships. And he showed me around, rode around his truck. Um, but it was definitely a genuine conversation. It was not, you know, forced or salesy or anything like that. It was just having a normal conversation with a normal dude about something that you're both passionate about. When we had him on, he he had made mention that he wasn't, he didn't want it to go very long. What did he say? 30 minutes, you know, and we wound up on the phone with him for, for well over an hour. And at the end of it, he said, I really and truly enjoyed this and I don't do this much. He said, because I don't take, and it was, you remember, you and I sat here talking to him for, for a while after the show, and he he said, "All I can tell y'all is to keep doing what you're doing because he genuinely, I genuinely felt like it was a conversation that we had had with you sitting here or anybody inside the studio. It was a a quality, genuine conversation. That's the reason I ask if because I feel like a lot of times when you're having an interaction with someone, and and we've been very fortunate and blessed to talk with some of the most prominent people in the outdoor industry, and." We've had those same conversations like with Will and with you and with anyone else that we would have across the board. And it's it's so it's so refreshing to hear, you know, someone else have those interactions yeah, with Absolutely. Them. Cause you know, they probably these people that do it for a living, um, they get tired of talking about the same stuff. You know, yeah. Y'all have worked these trade shows and y'all have heard the same stories yeah. about these deer that people shot, but they're passionate about it just like we are. And it's cool to you know, these people are known for big game hunting or deer hunting or turkey hunting. And then you have a conversation with them about a different species or a different category. And they're just as passionate about that or crappy fishing or just something crazy that they don't normally don't have a conversation. You can just see it. It sparks them up. Waddell. Yeah. I mean, we had that conversation with him. Never, never in a million years. I guarantee you he had no idea we were going to talk about competition turkey calling when he came on with a bunch of rednecks from up in North Georgia. But you you think about it and you you relate it to um, to something that's different and you put that in their mind. First time me and Nick went to Alabama to the uh, to the World Deer Expo, we were walking around and David Lindsay was standing at the booth and I had I had heard a story from my boss Adam about them being in a hunting club together and and I walked by David and I, I went back a little bit and I said. I got to ask you a question. He said, yeah, that was me with Goliath on, on TV, on the juries. And I said, well, I ain't asking about that. And I asked him, and it was, it was a, you know, we had a genuine conversation. He's like, man, I ain't heard that name. It was, it was Adam's father, and I can't remember his name right now. But he, I asked him about it. He's like, I ain't heard that name in 35 years. He said, that was somebody I was in a hunting club with. Exactly. So being able to figure out those conversations, and they're just normal dudes. They, they just want to talk. I mean, it, it don't matter who they are. So, and they just want to talk about something different. 
instead yeah. of the same old exactly. thing. Yeah, I killed that 160 over there on that backside of that yeah. river. He crossed that water. It's a great shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just not that they don't mind having those conversations with people, but they do want to hear something I'll different. I'll tell you something about the Lindsays that I always love. They always do the snacks for racks and the snacks for quacks. And if you tag them, they hit you right back, and it's something always comical. <laughs> and that's just something that we all do. Cause I'm snack king. I'm going to have some snacks. Crustable king. Strawberry only, by the way. Did you ever get sponsored from them? I did get a hold of the marketing department, and they basically told me that I was an adult, and they weren't <laughs> going to put any money behind an adult. <laughs> the, uncrust, the face of Uncrustables. Did you say? But I shop in the kids' department. Yeah, I'm I mean. the unofficial face of Uncrustables in the South. Anyway. <laughs> oh, do you quit tagging them? I did. I still tag them when I eat them, but not you know, every day for 72 days straight. Maybe you should start your own brand. Of Uncrustables. There is a knockoff brand, and I actually bought a homemade, like an Uncrustables maker, where it, it cuts the bread and crimps the edges. And you can do peanut butter and bananas pretty good. Oh, hmm. man. Maybe you should start like cow's sandwiches or something. You got to think of cow's crunches. I have enough on my plate right now to be <laughs> trying to start something else. Cow's crunchies. That could be the snack brand of the future. Yeah. Let me let me go back to Upland Bird because I I heard a story the other day. My buddy went to Burnt Burnt Pines, and they were hunting. I think they were shooting quail. And he was talking about going back, talking about something getting shot. Was he said? I guess they have guides down there that go with them. I've never been, but he said sometimes when those dogs go out there, that them quail don't jump. They they don't get too high off the ground. When the dogs will jump up to try to grab them, and sometimes those dogs get shot. Your dog's not supposed to jump up and try to grab them. You're supposed to train that out of your dog, but it's the natural instinct of a dog. And there are dogs that get shot all across the country every year. But that, uh, you, that's something you have to be very, very careful with. Cause I've guided some at some of these plantations and mm-hmm. you have to, I mean, I have a safety talk with everybody. Hey, it's got to be above parallel. You got a lot of times we hunt in tall, like broom sedge type grass and it's, the birds have to be up above that. They have to be above the horizon. If you're shooting down or parallel, don't shoot. Because okay. those birds, especially the pin-raised ones, they'll get conditioned to where they'll just hop. They'll just get up and hop and then get right back down instead of getting up and flying like wild birds. Gotcha. You prefer to shoot. I'm sure you prefer to shoot wild birds. Over. Always, every time. But it's good to, you know, the wild bird population is slim to none here anymore. It's on heavily managed places are some of the thickest nastiest stuff that you can get and so having the pin raised birds the places that you can go and work your dogs and train your dogs and just get bird contacts with your dogs for when you go into the wild is is definitely a um something that i believe in. it also helps get new hunters into it that's a great experience for them to get their first upland hunt or waterfowl hunt too do you th- go ahead i'm sorry i was just gonna say i could really get into that <clears throat> you know i went with cal me and my dad and my dad outshot us. Your dad blistered all of us. <laughs> I mean, he straight out of the truck. How how long had it been since he had hunted? Oh, for I mean, his shells were. Remember, they were paper. They were like paper packed. Yeah, like he the, had paper hole shells. Okay. I mean, that's got to be from the sixties and seventies. And he got engaged. Oh yeah, you dang right. And he shot our eyes. I don't think he I, he might have missed twice. Yeah. He had a blast for sure. But I got one of them sixteen gauges with the paper shells for my grandpa. <laughs> Someone gonna kick a fire What's out of it. What's a paper shell? Instead of a watt like crimp on the end, it's paper on the end of it. No, oh. they make the hole instead of the hole 
the, instead of the plastic around oh, they the, were, they the weren't casing, plastic they were casings. Paper they were casings. But yeah. they weren't plastic. They were plastic cases with paper in the end. I of honestly them. don't remember. He had some of both. He had some of the plastic yeah. holes with the paper in the end as a wad, but he had some full. It's it's almost like a, a stiff cardboard casing. Yeah. Well, just hammering. Well, you got well. A lot of them old shotguns you got to shoot. You ain't supposed to shoot plastic in them because the case expansion inside mm-hmm. of it. I've got a rabbit ear twelve gauge. It's like it. It's Dad's like, do not shoot regular shells in this ever. You'll blow the barrel off. Exactly. Of it. exactly. So thin, not, thin wall. When they're not built for the uh, the amount of powder that they put in shells now. Hmm. One of our people figured that out the wrong way. <laughs> Got old gun oh, I like in plastic shells. They don't get wet in your pocket. Kaboom. Now they don't get wet in your gun either. Yeah, banana peel to the end of your barrel. Is there a place that you can still, is there, is there a state that you can still go to and hunt wild? Uh, well, you can find wild birds in Georgia. Um, they're just, you just have to find them. You're not going to go and find six, seven coveys of wild birds hardly in Georgia anymore. But you can go um, Kansas, Oklahoma, the Midwest, Montana. Southern parts of Canada, the Dakotas. There's a lot of wild. They have a lot of quail. Well, they do. Uh, they a lot of desert quail. West Texas, Arizona. Um, then you have mountain quail. There's like six, seven different subspecies of quail. Just depends on where you want to go. Okay. Bush hogs, boys, ruined it. Bush hogs, and then farming practices. You know, every every farm used to have a fence row or a tree line. They they farm all the way up to the edge now, and then fire ants. Fire ants. Fire ants will build a nest under a quail's nest and eat the babies as they hatch. Really? Hmm. That's pretty interesting. Quit shaking that leg. I'm, I'm sorry. Shaking the whole room. <laughs> sorry. I'll yeah, I, lear- I learned that when I when I went with him, and I, that was it. That's well, and trapping too. The fur market went to crap. Nobody traps anymore for Nobody. nest predators. Same thing with turkeys. Mm-hmm. They live in the same environment, really. And then you know the bush hog. Same thing. Control burns are the best thing for turkeys and for quail. Yeah. Yes, it's something you don't see much anymore, even out of these states. I think that's something interesting that you, everybody listening to this is going to hear on a, on a podcast that we're going to eventually put out on a different little series that, that this gentleman's going to talk about. Mm-hmm. He's got some interesting theories on on what's going on with the turkeys and stuff. Do you do you think that the bird population will ever get back to a point of a, a manageable herd here with the practices that are going on or is it something that it'll never come back to i don't see it coming back in our lifetimes it's going to build in and everything yeah well it's just going to take consistent effort and you know uh urban expansion too i mean well you look at the thing that i've noticed and and especially if you ride up towards nick and i went up to unicoi to the call maker show and and i hadn't been up through there in years and Riding through those areas, grown-up farms have been sold to these individuals from the the city or or wherever, and they go in with the molten heads and they clean the property up. You know, they want that pristine property. They don't want the undergrowth. They want it gone. And you see that change in the the dynamic of the animals that live there. I mean, you're not talking just turkeys and birds. You're talking everything, deer. Hell, we've seen it on Amicalola. There's no undergrowth up there, and the deer are pretty much gone. I mean— Deer it's, don't grow antlers eating grass. Grass they, doesn't grow antlers. It doesn't. And they and they starve and trying to get the browse and everything else. They have it's to have gone. natural browse. They have to have cover. They have to have. They get so much more out of that than you know a pristine, aesthetically pleasing looking piece of property. That's just for humans. They just wanted to look a certain way. For nature, it's not what was meant to be. And I I think the quail population has really took a hit just in the last like twenty years. 
Because I remember as a kid walking through just the cow pastures at the house, you'd bust up a single or a small covey or something. And now, I, I don't, I don't know. The last they're time. a very fragile <clears throat> bird, though. Too. I mean, a, a bad freeze or a bad winter can right. wipe them out to where that it's just hard for them to recover. Yeah. I like it. I mean, it's definitely interesting topics to go into. Well, let's talk. Go ahead. No, I got a question. What was you going to go into? I was going to ask him how about how he's a, uh, because you killed a mule deer, didn't you? I did shoot a mule deer this year. I had an elk how, tag that I ate as a sandwich. Uh, how was the I, mule deer experience? Mule deer is fine. That, the time that we're there is the week before Thanksgiving. And in that area with Northwest Colorado, that's when the mule deer are rutting. And I mean, they're just bumping everything. You you could, and we had a little bit of snow on the ground. You can pick them out. We didn't see an elk the entire week. Really? They had record snowfall last year and had a big winter kill of all the animals out there. And it they sh- shortened the season and cut some of the tags down in the early seasons. Now ours is over the counter, but they shortened the season from a ten day season to a six day season. Now Colorado's going to a draw system on elk, right? They they're in a draw system, but they have two seasons that are over the counter. So they you know they have archery, then they have a primitive weapons, and then they have a first season, which is a land a first rifle, which is a landowner season. Second rifle is over the counter. Third rifle is over the counter. Fourth rifle, I think, is either I think it's a draw. But they have a lot of they have draws, and that's just for elk. That's just for bull elk. Now all the deer tags are draw only, okay. or you can buy a leftover license. Yeah, did you get that elk uh, that mule deer mounted? I've got a skull mount because it was yeah. velvet. Okay. So it, um, I mean, it had its private parts, but no testes. Really? Yeah. Huh. So I don't know if they got hung on a fence. I heard a story. Now, whether this is true or not, some old head that lives out there said when they cowboys used to ranch the cows and watch the cows graze on the free range out there, they would rope yearling deer and they would castrate them and turn them into a steer like a bull. I mean, just like, just beef huh. cattle. And then, so when it came hunting season, if they still had velvet on late in the season, they knew it was one of the ones they caught and it castrated and the meat was better. It didn't have a testosterone. Really? Fun mm-hmm. fact. Now, I don't know if that's true. Old man, old farmer told me that, old rancher. So I bet it's true. It has to be. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if that's legal. I don't think they give a shit. <laughs> At that point, I mean, this is you're talking about years ago, but I'm just curious if you could do it now. Might get somebody's bucks around here roping me a six pointer. Uh, <laughs> Imagine yeah. roping a six pointer and castrating it. Well, he doesn't have any antlers at the time. Well, they're babies too. Yeah, they're babies. They're yearlings and turn it into a steer just like beef cattle. Not, Probably not frowned upon, but I I don't know. That's in, that's interesting though. Yeah, I have thought you that was ever, the coolest Have thing. you ever cut? cut anything a bull or a hog or anything have you ever cut anything hogs my grand my great grandpa used to have hogs i'm gonna tell a story on my daddy because i can remember when we was kids and i i just don't remember i remember him cutting them but i don't remember we caught some hogs and we was gonna cut them and my demented father took some kind of great pleasure in cutting them hog nuts out i mean he would literally he had his knife and he went right to it but he'd twist them on his finger and pull them out and that was the end of it. Spray them with a little blue mule, and that was it. I mean, they was cut, and they yep. was good to go. Wouldn't bleed hardly at all. I mean, it was – he's got him a good hog nut cutting knife now. RP fixed him up yeah. with one, made him a fine one. But. My great-grandpa had one of those knives that he castrated a hog with and cut a watermelon with it at lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Never washed it, wiped it off on his pants leg. Oh, that's something you just don't hear anymore much is cutting hogs, especially in, you know, private sector. Folks just don't. 
raise hogs. I mean, it's just something you don't see much anymore. But scalding them, like y'all, y'all killed hogs. You had to scald them off. Mm-hmm. So I, I just I can remember that's the oldest memory, and I've told that before that I've got in my life is it's killing hogs. The oldest thing that I can remember, four or five year old, was going up to Uncle JD's and and killing hogs and going to Dad's bedside. And I told him because we'd fed them, you know, I, I don't want to kill them hogs and. You like that bacon, don't you? Yeah. You like that sausage, that salted ham? Boy, that's good to eat, ain't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. He said, well, that's where it comes from. He said, we ain't killing for fun. We're killing to live. He said, that's what we do. And I remember going up there and and doing it. Never thought twice about, you know, taking an animal's life after that because you're doing it to live. Yeah, exactly. Can't give them names, though. That's where you messed up. (laughs) And I don't think we was naming them back then by no stretch of the imagination, but Let's talk. Let's talk the new uh, career adventure uh, for you. Uh, since last time you were on, you've you've left your prior career and you've kind of started down a new pathway. So why don't we talk a little bit on that and where you're at now and what you're doing with it? Yep, same career really, just new company, bigger role. Uh, something that wasn't in the cards for me at the previous, you know, company. Um, it's been a great transition for me. I had the best year that I've ever had financially selling. Um, I think that's a mixture of what they're branding nationally, plus just being in the industry and kind of getting my name out there. Um, but an ad spot on talking about it outdoors. That's, that's right. It definitely don't hurt. <laughs> you would not believe how many people I get that call me from up here. Um, but uh, it's been so good. It's been, I've been very, very blessed um, I've now the broker over the entire state of Georgia for Arrowhead Land Company. Um, and I'm actually working on my Alabama. I should be in Alabama by, I mean, probably a month or so. So be the broker over the entire state there and start and try to build the brand in the South. The, the brand, our co- uh, corporate headquarters is in Oklahoma and they've got a pretty strong hold there and we're starting to branch out and I'm kind of the lone wolf in the South right now. Has truck will travel. You yes. got to put 350 on that one. Yeah, I just got a new truck. Had 320 on the other one. It's having end of life issues, so figured it was about time. Is is it a good market to buy and sell in? Man, it's always it's just one of those markets that no matter what, people are going to buy. People are going to buy and people are going to sell. I will say interest rates have hurt uh, a lot of buyers now. Um because some of these interest rates on raw land are anywhere, you know, seven to ten. God almighty. Um, and that that's tough to swallow for some folks. But in my opinion, I do think interest rates are gonna settle somewhere between six and seven. And if you find something that you can afford and you like, I would say buy it now and refinance when the interest rates go down. I don't see them going any higher personally. Let's talk a little bit about that. I'm glad you brought that up. Talking about land. Let's say somebody let's say somebody wanted to buy 10, 15, 20 acres for a little farm. What like walk us through the steps of what they I mean, we know they gotta get pre approved, but like how much do they have to put down and and like I know certain places I've heard in the past are thirty five percent down. I've heard some some counties you can go to, you can find a little mom and pops bank is twenty percent down to buy this. Is there any other banks that would do lower than that? Is there a way to buy a piece of property that you can get? Um, how do you make it feasible for somebody that may want to do it for raw should- for raw land? I I lead people towards if they're doing financing, um, 
towards an ag lending company, whether it be Ag America, Ag South, Ag Georgia Farm Credit, because that's what they do. They do land loans, farm loans, agricultural loans, equipment loans. They can. A lot of these companies now have an acquisition to construction to mortgage where you can go through the whole process. Um, and it's typically 20% down. Um, a lot of these uh, lenders are going to require a new survey. Um, just if it doesn't have an updated survey or recorded, they'll require a new survey just so they have matching legal and physical access to the property. Um, most of those places are a 10 acre minimum or 11 acre minimum. A lot of the counties that we service, they have, uh, programs where you can enroll your, your property in it as an agricultural program to where you can get, uh, tax benefits. You don't have to pay full property taxes. It's a, Kuva programs, conservation, use, valuation, assessment. Um, and normally I tell people, if you're looking for to build a house on this, you're looking for 11 acres. You're going to have one acre that they'll carve out and put your house on, and then you have the rest of the 10 that you can enroll in that program. Gotcha. Land conservation saves you on your taxes. Unless you're in Cherokee County and it still sucks. No comment. <laughs> now, your stuff in the southern part of the county is exploding. Now, all this rural up here, I don't I don't run up here a whole, whole lot, but I do get them occasionally. It's, it's, it's the most ridiculous thing I have ever seen in my life, some of the land prices that I've heard in the last month. I'm talking $15,000 an acre to... $350,000 an acre in a matter of 10 years. Yep. Just depends on where it is. Depends on how much road frontage, sewer access, they come you know, off water of, access. They come knocking on the door with 350 here. I'm gone, boys. <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to cut the stilts off the studio. That's and, something I tell a lot of else. people, too, that if they're going to, if they have a farm or they have something that's really desirable that's not, that comes up all the time, I was like, if you're going to put this up for sale, you better have somewhere to go because it's going to go right now. And it's hard to it's hard to replace what you got too right now. It seems like it is the replacement cost of like just say if somebody has ten acres in a house that you know they built the house for one hundred eighty or two hundred thousand dollars. Now you try to build the same house, it's going to cost four to four fifty just for the house, not even the land. So you're not really upgrading unless you got some jack to put down, or if you or you're building it yourself. One of the things that I I've often I don't want this to sound wrong but i, I kind of regretted was never leaving home and, and staying right here close to home because i didn't our generation had the ability to buy a hundred and twenty hundred thirty thousand dollar house and you you lived there for five ten years and then they they went back home and built a house there and they were able to pretty much pay for that whereas i never left home and so i didn't have an investment there and so i bought what i bought now, don't get me wrong, I've landed on a gold mine when it comes to the grand scheme of things, but I've often thought back through the years, what would it have been like to have bought a house somewhere and then you know sold it at a good market price? And then the way the market's exploded now, if you'd been able to do that, how much further would I have been along? And I think about that financially speaking, if I had been able to, I mean, because I was in, in a position, I could have bought a really nice house for $120,000, $130,000 in 06, 07, 08. That house now is four fifty five hundred thousand at at a minimum where they're at. So I mean, you moved around a, a good bit, Nick. You bought, you know, you've owned. You're in your third home, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, and you're in your second. Yeah, and, and 
we talk about this a lot, just talking about property taxes at the house and what I pay versus what I built my house for. And I, you know, know what I got in it. And, you know, back when we built our house, land at our house was going around our house was going for about 10,000 an acre. And some friends of mine just uh, bought some land up from us and they paid 90,000 an acre, literally half a mile up the road. Yep. It's crazy. Well, that's my last house. I sold it last year. I bought it as a foreclosure in 2014, bought it for $90,000, three bedroom, two bath, 14, 1500 square foot. And then last, I guess, so 20, I'm trying to think I bought a, it was 24, so 22, I sold it and tripled my money on it. Sold the exact same house, had not done anything except maintain it, had not done any improvements, just maintained exactly what it was and sold it for 270. Could you imagine being a 20 year old couple? Getting married now and trying and to wanting afford to a house. start out a life in the in the market we live in with the the job market is strong, but you're still not making. I mean, by the time you get, especially if you buy new vehicles, you get two new vehicles, you got fifteen hundred dollars in car loans, and then you got a two or three thousand dollar house payment. You're you know forty five, thirty five, forty five hundred dollars in. Both people working, making what you know. $80,000 a year combined. I mean, if you've got a good job, you might be, you know, double that. But I couldn't I couldn't imagine just being a blue-collar guy trying to go out here and work for the power company or something, making $55,000, $60,000 a year, and your wife working in the school system making thirty-five, forty $40,000 a year. How do you how do you begin a life doing that? I, mean, I, I think we look at that, though, as a, like, like now you think, just like Cody just said, that land went for $90,000 an acre. You know, we think, man, that's expensive. But 10 years ago... When you bought it for ten, you're probably like, "Man, this is high," but I can, I've got to buy it, you know, right. or I want to buy it. But now, what is it going to be in another ten years? You know, we're going to look back and be like, "Man, I wish we'd have bought that land for ninety thousand dollars an acre," you know, exactly, and turn our investment around. But, I think at some point though, it's got to start coming back down. It's going to settle, but I, and I don't think it's going to come back down that far. But I don't see the capability of it just continuing to go up. I, I feel like it'll just everything will crash. I, I don't see how people go out and buy. 15 20 acres that just didn't get some type of inheritance or something well no i mean it's like i just said they done exactly what we talked about they bought a house and made three four hundred thousand dollars you know positive on that house and instead of paying capital gain they turned around and bought 15 20 acres somewhere then they turned around and flipped that instead of paying capital gain they went back and invested in something else and it's a repeat investment that I wish at, at the time when I was 19, 20 year old, instead of buying down folders and everything else, I had turned around and bought land. Or, and it, looking back now, it's all hindsight, but there's got to be a, I don't know, there's a cap somewhere on it. And <laughs> it's going, I think it's going to hit a crash. We're going to have a market crash because who can afford? I don't see how in the world anybody at 20, 25 years old with the student loan debt or whatever it is, how much money they go in debt. And, I saw a thing the other day that said 47% of Americans are delinquent on their car loans month over month. Just car loans. I ain't talking about a house, but they're buying $100,000 vehicles, and I just I don't see how anybody can do it at that age. I mean, I've got a buddy of mine right now. He's 23 years old, and he listens to the show, and I ain't going to say his name, but he bought an $80,000 truck living at home. His car, His payment on that truck is $1,100 a month. And I'm like, what do you? He works a factory job, probably making twenty bucks an hour. I'm like, what are you gonna do 
you know, when your parents are ready to kick you out of the house, your eight-year loan, 10-year loan on that $80,000 truck at 10% interest. He don't care, son, because he's picking up them chicks. Mm-hmm. Well, got them, got them <laughs> don't chicks matter. in the back. <laughs> don't I don't matter. know. I don't. That's what I wish I'd have bought 5,000 acres when I was in the fifth grade, you know. Exactly. You know, got a head start on everybody. That'd have been great. Yeah. If you go talk about it outdoors, click on our financial leak. We'll have a. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, a it's a it's a GoFundMe. You can donate there <laughs> for our future farm there. So well, that's interesting. I mean, it's definitely, definitely fun to see you grow and, and do the things that you've done. I remember the conversation you and I had, you was like, ah, I'm probably going to need to change that ad spot up soon. And, yep. and we're definitely going to, going to, I'll say this. It's, it's neat to see the progression and growth in learning things from you. Like what you just said has been, been pretty cool. So if you're interested in any kind of land or just any kind of knowledge based stuff, make sure you reach out to Cal because he can definitely take care of We're also looking stuff. for agents. We're looking to grow the brand. So now that I'm the broker, I can have agents that work under me. So if anybody is, qualified i'm easy to get a hold of what are the qualifications for an agent you know what is what is your criteria what if someone wanted to get into that field what is something they should pursue you have to be a state licensed real estate agent whether it be a salesperson's license or a broker's license um and you can do all of that online you can take it's a i want to say it's a 60 or 90 hour course that you take online you pass an exam, then you go take a proctored state exam, then you have to find a brokerage to hold your license, then you have to do post licensure, and then you have to do continuing education every three years as well. Is that something that someone could consider as a part time deal, or would you want it to be? A, or is it something they would need to dedicate all their full time to? If, in my personal opinion, if you're really going to do it and go, you know, if you really want to make some jack, it's it's a full time full-time investment um it's a full-time job you have to be willing to work nights weekends when the phone rings you have to answer it that's how you make money you have to be available when normal people are not working but there's a lot of days you know when you don't get phone calls as long as you're being proactive you're doing advertising you're working on ad spots for newspapers stuff like the ad spot on y'all's on the podcast and you stay pretty busy. You're doing, you're looking at expired listings and why it didn't sell and who was the agent and see if you can contact that owner and see if they'll list with you. It's not a lot of, you can't just sit and wait. Right. You got to be a go-getter to do it. Aggression, sales. Yep. I can sell ice to an Eskimo. <laughs> well, sell me a glass. Sell me this pen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But that's, I mean, it's neat to neat to hear that, that side of things. And I, I think often... A lot of times we, the podcast has grown so much from where it was early on. You know, we just wanted to tell hunting stories and stuff. And now we can talk general life, you know, things like careers and stuff like that. So that's pretty neat to to hear that side of it. Maybe one day, maybe we'll do a, a next episode will be on house building with Nick Wilson. <laughs> I'd tune in for that. I would too. Then we'll fall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it'll be broke. Well, um, Cal, you know, it's been a it's been a terminless year. It's been a terminless start. Last, you know, thirty days have been a very terminless part of your life. And you've you've started a foundation in in memory of uh, of your brother that lost his life. And do you wanna do you wanna talk about that some and kind of tell us about that a little bit and what's yeah. going on with it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, first off, for those you don't know, brother uh drowned while duck hunting, tragic accident. But what he was doing 
it could have been any of us. The place that he was hunting, I'd hunted there before. I'd been there with him before. Um, it was just a freak accident that, unfortunately, it was our family that it happened to. You know, he's, he's 21 years old, so gone way, way too soon, in my opinion. But we've started this foundation in his in his honor, and we're planning on funding some scholarships at the high school and at the collegiate level. And we're going to try to do whatever we can do to raise water safety awareness for hunters, whether that be getting with the DNR and working on some projects, whether that be buying life jackets, designing product. We don't know exactly what position that we're going. Currently, you know, we're only, we're 32 days out from this happening. So it's been a whirlwind and we're all just trying to deal with it the best we can, you know. There is no normal for us anymore. Our normal is gone. There's, you know, my brother, he was not just a brother. He was one of my best friends. I talked, if I didn't talk to him every day, I talked to him every other day on the phone. And now that I he was back home and he was working and then I had moved back to my hometown, we saw a whole lot more of each other. And it has been, it has been tough. I mean, to say the least, there are days where I wake up and I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to do anything. But I know he kicked me in the tail for doing that. But we're trying to do a lot with this. We want to do, you know, like I said, we're going to try our damnedest. If we save one life, you know, and I actually had somebody last week, um, mutual friend of ours, was supposed to go hunting at Lake Lanier. Um and he's supposed to go hunt with some buddies and he decided he wasn't going to go, but he knew what had happened to my brother. And he told all those guys, Hey, this has happened to one of our family friends. Y'all make sure you wear your life vest. And the guy fell in, had his life vest on to save his life. So that's oh. just one, one instance that we know about that, you know, just the wake that my brother has had and in our community has been astronomical. And I mean, all y'all boys, y'all know y'all stood in line for hours to, see us at the visitation that meant the world to us i hope you know that yeah and i think the the biggest part of of coming there and seeing that it was it was to support you we had never met your brother but we wanted to come and support you in anything that we could do and through that we got to see an astronomical um showing for him and it spoke volumes to who he was as a person and what people thought of you and your family so definitely uh definitely something to to look at as as folks get out in the world and and it doesn't just apply to duck hunting you know you and i had a conversation with that it's it's it could happen to anybody and and safety and everything we do every time we leave the house we we climb a tree you know we get in a boat we we do any of this stuff it's it's so easy for for a tragedy to happen and doing the things that you're talking about doing with educating folks on on the opportunity to to change it just like the guy falling in um it's uh it's definitely something that's that's well warranted and well needed and and if there's anybody that I think can put that together and do something good with it it'll be you so well, thank you I appreciate I, that. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be something that we look back on um 10 years from now that that'll uh it'll say you know the the be like brooks slogan it won't just be something that's just said it'll be something that's echoed throughout it and i think you'll hear a lot of those stories over the years with with, what y'all do for it so and i don't know if i mentioned it but it's the brooks hardy foundation it's h-a-r-d-i-e um we're on socials we're we're doing some stuff doing some collaborative stuff raising some money um 
doing some raffles. We've had a ton of just donations and outpouring of support from our community. And honestly, all across the United States, you know, this community, especially y'all understand the hunting community supports itself. And these people, there's so many people that have reached out. Hey, I didn't know your brother or Hey, I hunt because your brother took me or because he talked about it. And, or Hey, my son knew him or this and that. And, just how far it reaches. Like I've had people as far as Washington state reach out and contact us, um, just from, just from social media. I mean, it's been extremely overwhelming and it's a tragic, tragic thing that happens way too often. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask. How often does that go around in the duck? That's the second boy in 23 that I know of in Georgia that drowned duck hunting. There was a boy, uh, LJ, wasn't he? Yeah. 18 years old. Um, in November, yeah, and in, in ten foot of water, you got a pair of waders on. They fill up. That's cement shoes going to the bottom. Yeah, what, what can someone do to prevent that? Do they make a certain wader with the life vest, or you just wear a life vest? Just you wear have- a life vest. Anytime you're in kind of any watercraft whatsoever, just put a life vest on. It's not that hard. It, whether it be a kayak, a boat, a canoe, a paddleboard. If you're somewhere, especially when the water's cold, and if you have hunting equipment on, it's not that hard to put a life vest on. I think somebody brought this up, and I think we were talking about it when it happened, but you can buy those little, and I don't know the name of them, them real sleek life vests that a lot of bass fishermen wear. Will those hold your body weight up if your waders fill up with water? It'll give you enough buoyancy to get out of your waders, and then it'll hold your body up. Okay. Now, and a guy that I work with – had mentioned do they make a certain waiter that your boots float up most almost every boot on the market is going to have a neoprene of some sort on the boot to where the boots will float um something else that helps uh, a lot of people don't wear neoprene waiters anymore you can't move they wear these breathable waiters if you have the belt cinched down tight around your waist not just undone it'll hold some air to where it'll help you float just a little bit or at least long enough to where you know you can try to get to safety or somebody can get to you um something that this is something that we're trying to figure out ourselves we're trying to figure out whether we can design something that a hunter can wear as and it doesn't interfere with them hunting because you those shoulder harnesses and buckles if a, a recoil of a gun can set those off um or we're trying to figure out what the best thing is, or if if there's something that you can put in your blind bag that's a throwable to where it'll inflate, or you can throw it a 100-yard string of paracord with something on the bottom to where you can just throw it to them and something that they can grab and you can pull them to you. Mm-hmm. We don't know what the correct answer is. We're brainstorming. We have a ton of people that have reached out in the industry that are willing to help. It's just we're trying to – legally get all of this paperwork and filing and everything set up so we can correctly do what we need to do My, go ahead i, I was just going to say <clears throat> correct me if i'm wrong but the uh the boy in lj i believe what he wasn't wasn't he just waiting what putting out decoys what nope, I heard? they were uh in the boat i think and from what i read in the and what I read and what I heard, he fell over the front of the boat. I think they were picking up decoys, and he reached over the oh, front okay. and fell over that the front. Well, there was one guy we were – the guy you're referring to that we had heard about, he'd walked to an edge and wound up in a hole and went down. and, and Fall in a beaver run or just a creek channel. I've done that before. I mean, I've stepped off, and I have done way 
sketchier and dangerous stuff than what happened to my brother. And it could have been me a hundred times over, you know, and it just, it wasn't, wasn't my time. Yeah. Well, how often do we climb in a tree stand and just take it for granted or, you know, not wear a safety climbing up maybe or something and just, it just takes one time. So my wife and them on them horses, they got these kids and I don't, like you said, I don't think it would work with the shock of the gun, but they make those, they don't make them, but a lot of the new kids now they wear a vest kind of similar, almost like what you got on. And if they fall off that horse, as soon as they hit it, like blows up like an airbag. Mm-hmm. So it kind of protects them. Oh, yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's I like those ones that. those guys uh, wearing now riding motorcycles. <clears throat> Have you seen them? No. It's like a probably, full, probably it's a full jacket. And if, if it feels a fast acceleration or whatever, it expands before they hit I'm the ground. I'm sorry. There's this, there's this hook to one of their reins, I think, or something. It's almost think, like a kill what, switch on a boat. Yeah, when they fall off, it'll... How many times do you but see I, I videos of that happening? People don't use them. Personally, switches. know somebody in our community. Him and his, he's got two boys. One's in his mid to late twenties, and the other one's my son, brother's age. And they were in Louisiana hunting, fell off back of boat, didn't have a kill switch on boat, run over him, and almost killed him. He's <laughs> lucky to be alive. Kill switches in boats are one of the most unused items. Yep. I left mine hooked on my life jacket. That way, when I sat down, I had to put it on because I put mm-hmm. my life jacket back on. It was hooked to my vest there, and so didn't do me much good. But, you know, we, we talk about water, and, and it's not just duck hunting you can fall out. You said paddle boards. You said kayaks. A lot of guys are using these kayaks to access these areas and things like that. And Travis, we talked with him when we were going to Illinois, and I said, look, I don't care. I know you're into this stuff. You're on a paddleboard. I said, but what you don't understand, you're fishing in a paddleboard or in a, in a kayak. You're not wearing hunting clothes and crossing this lake. You've never done this before. Please put a life jacket on. I don't want you falling in because you fall in with hunting clothes on. There's so much of that weight that it's just absorbed in there in yep. your boots and everything else. So, And he ended up saying after the fact, he's like, I'm glad you oh, taught me into that. Me to death. Yeah, we were. I was super nervous about that. When you see a lot of these guys, they turkey hunt on these on these creek bottoms and river channels and stuff in the south. I mean, just just put one on. It it you never know what can happen. That's right. Yeah. Mm-mm-mm. Well, definitely, uh, definitely continued thoughts and prayers go out to you and your family in that regard. And you know, we'll do anything we can to to help as that as it grows, and you know, we can spread the awareness. However you however you want to do it, because it was a uh, it was definitely a tragic tragic thing that happened to you and your family and um we're we're always in thought of you buddy for for sure on that even even when you don't think we are well, <laughs> y'all, so. y'all seriously the the amount of support that we've had from our community and everybody that's involved in all of our lives has been unbelievable we couldn't you know we wouldn't be where we are getting through this the way we are without all y'all so we can't thank y'all enough it's pretty neat we was leaving there and we saw his name on the, the scoreboard He's no, a bad dude. I'll tell you that. He was a bad dude. You, <laughs> oh. If you ever saw him play on Friday nights, you. What do you want to tell a hunting story or something that do you one of the stories that kind of stick out in your head? That, I'll that... tell you. You got time for a couple? Oh yeah, yeah. Right. We got all night, cause right. one of one of my favorite ones is uh, his junior year playing football. He tears his ACL in the second game of the season and has, I mean, tore to shreds and has surgery and this is like this is in august second game of the season so he has surgery and a week after his surgery i had lined up i had scouted out and had the hottest goose feed you could ever see i mean they were coming in there every single day 
like clockwork. And he was down in the dumps bad about, you know, he, he was finally going to get to play and he couldn't play now and <laughs> just had his surgery. So I drug him out there with me and he's on crutches and a, a knee brace from his ankle to his hip. And we put him in a layout blind, which is like a sleeping bag on the ground. And propped his leg up with a pillow. He couldn't put out any decoys. He couldn't get any birds. He was the most useless person there was that day. He was there to shoot. And the first group right after shooting light, they landed at our feet at five yards. And I and he was always left-handed. So me and him, he always on my shoulder. And he raised up and he center cut one of those geese on the ground <laughs> like you shot a turkey, you know. Yeah. And I'm literally looked like you shot a pillow. I'm, feathers went everywhere. And he went to laughing and just grinning from ear to ear. And I went out there and picked it up by the neck. You could see daylight through the chest. You see it all the way through it. That was one that I'll never forget. And then um, probably one of the most memorable trips, um, I guess is three years ago, right around New Year's. We were supposed to be four of us. We were flying from... Atlanta to Seattle, we were going to hunt the northwest part of Washington State. Well, they had a snowstorm, and our flights got canceled in the middle of the night. And I had the notifications on, and I get a notification. It's like 2 in the morning, like the day before we're supposed to leave. Well, I instantly start trying to find other flights for me and my brother. He was on my, you know, whatever, the booking. Mm Mm-hmm. And the only, I had to swap airlines, everything. We had to fly from Atlanta to D.C., D.C. to Portland, and then Portland and drive four hours north. <laughs> and the other two boys didn't get their flights changed, so they didn't get to go on the trip. So now it's just me and my brother. <laughs> <laughs> and we're flying first class. That was the only tickets available. <laughs> they gave you real classes in first class. It wasn't a plastic. <laughs> <laughs> and so we fly from there, and then we get this rental car. In Portland, it's a Toyota Tacoma, and we get to about Seattle, and it's one on the interstate. It's like, it's like six lanes of interstate on each side, and I went to change lanes and accelerated, and the the lines were frozen, and the whole ass end of the truck <laughs> just turned sideways. And my brother's in the passenger seat, got the seat laid all the way back, and he's asleep. And the, um, I mean, it's one of those ones, it swings and it's 90 degrees. And then I finally get it caught and, you know, it rattles back <laughs> and it straightens you up. Um, he just sat up in the seat, like let the seat up, didn't sit up, <laughs> let the seat up. And he just put his arm on my shoulder and said, you all right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> laid the seat back down, went back to sleep. Oh, my but we goodness. had three of the best days of hunting we've ever had. And it was just me and him together. And that's, that's probably mine and his that's fondest memory of us as a as a hunting trip. That's really, awesome. really cool. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love it. And you made mention over there at the uh, viewing that night that he wasn't a turkey hunter or wanted to be a turkey hunter. He had. I've got a picture of him with a turkey decoy on his head one morning because we <laughs> we had been turkey hunting. And he he wanted to shoot a turkey. He had walked his tail off. One of my buddies took him and walked him up and down these North Georgia mountains. He's got a place in Lyrely. And they went up and down and up and down and up and down. And they walked and walked and walked. Couldn't ever get on turkey. And me and him had been hunting before just and wanted to shoot a turkey. Well, I done made the decision that I'm not a turkey hunter by any means, but I'm going to go shoot a slam in his honor. 
I don't care how much it takes or how long it takes, but I'm going to do it. Yeah. You're starting starting it off this year pretty quick. Though. Going to Osceola early March. If we can get that one checked off, we can we can get rolling. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that's the hardest, I'd say. I can get a Rio pretty easy, <clears throat> I think, just for, through connections. It's not from my ability, I promise. Yeah. Um, the Miriam, I think, is going to be probably the most difficult one. Based, the Osceola, obviously, but then the Miriam, I think, is going to be harder for me. You think? I don't know. It depends on what he's got, where he's, what his <laughs> yeah. places are. Yeah. I have no idea. I am open. If anybody wants to take me, please. <laughs> My you truck buy? stays ready. <laughs> <laughs> you got any turkeys anywhere? <laughs> I got some tied up. There you go. <laughs> Butterball. Well, it could be like Nick and go, go get an Osceola and then chase an Easter and sure go out, fly all halfway across the country and kill an Easter. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Strike out here and go out there and kill one. Yeah. But I hope you do it, man. Thank hope you knock one down. Appreciate it. I'd like to go hunt with you sometime this yeah, season. Absolutely. And then I'm on. It's what I want to do. I want to get all the fans. Have you seen them where they put them flat in the picture frames? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I want to do do that with all four of them and put them, hang them up on. I got a wall dedicated to him in my house. So. I got two places we can go. I got one on Coker's Travel and one on Rock House. So perfect. Yeah, we can hunt. But let me know when you get ready. Wow. Yes, sir. He's got land we didn't even know about. <laughs> I know. That's crazy. It is crazy. I've never. He's never took me. <laughs> There's some mean son of guns that live around there, so you better be careful. <laughs> That's yeah. fine. Meanings. Now I know he we looks like a lumberjack. He looks like a lumberjack sitting there in that shirt he's got on tonight. What is up with this plaid? I've never seen you in a plaid he's shirt. That is off- a fine shirt. He's Thank in the you. office all day. That today. is a beautiful shirt. Long sleeve. It's cold today. You look good in that. Thank you. I'm, I'm, Thank you. I'm, if, for everyone that can't see Nick, he, he looks like he's going to sell forester equipment when he gets off <laughs> the podcast. Me and Nick dressed up. We had to for cow. Cow's always so dapper, you know. A hoodie and a vest. I, well, I had to quit wearing my vest in here. It got banned. Nick made me quit I wearing it. I did not. Oh. oh, we'll go back a I few episodes. Did he not say I couldn't wear it no more, Tyler? You was Why? here. You oh, because he was. It was hitting my zipper. Uh, I did hear about the zipper. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm not just a sponsor to the podcast. I actually listen to the podcast. <laughs> you do. You even when, even when y'all talk trash about me, I, I'll be sure to see. <laughs> I don't think we've ever uh-huh. talked no trash. That's a lie. Go back and find That's that episode. Go, go back, back to the, go it. back to either before or after the Will Primos episode when you was talking about him shooting my eyes out. I did, I said that. Yeah. Y'all I would have never said yeah, something oh, smart okay. like that. Uh-huh. Yeah. No well, hey, hey, you know what? You At proved you it. Know it was the truth. It was the truth. I mean, don't. But you can't say it. I can say it. <laughs> I think you actually told me that he did. I mean, so, and it was unbelievable. I, mean, I was just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were relaying yeah. for yeah. me. Yeah, Will didn't want to. Will didn't want to say. So he I didn't want to throw off on you, guys. Yeah, yeah. Nick did it for him. He'll him. outshoot all of us. I mean, <laughs> that ain't a joke. Well, I can. So Ray Charles could outshoot me. <laughs> yeah, Helen Keller grew a shotgun better than I can. <laughs> I'm not. A, I'm not a good shot. I'm terrible. Good. We all need to get together and go to. Well, I would say Garden Mountain, but they're closed. Yeah, it's not there no more. <laughs> yeah, coming back. Yeah, I seen their post. Yeah. Fixing Somebody said they was moving the restaurant to the. Building a new clubhouse, new so, new restaurant. They're going to be in the cart house to begin with while they're doing construction, all the rest of it. You want to play the CJ10 rapid fire? Yeah, sure. You want to? Let's go. I don't know what that is. Those rapid fire questions I asked. Oh, Jeffrey. Chipper. Larry, Jeffrey. Wayne. <laughs> Larry. What about that? That's so sick. It's pretty wild. It's pretty cool. Well, I mean, Austin Riley's going to be sitting there one of these days. That's cool. <laughs> you going to have to get a wider chair. He, a boy is built. It's like 6'5", ain't he? 6'4", 6'5". He's grown. Chipper ain't no slouch. 
No. Kyle show them both how to play ball. Shoot. <laughs> no. No. No chance. Who was your baseball before you go into rapid fire? Who was your baseball, you know, like hero growing up? Cal Rifkin Jr. There you go. So it was named after. Was he still playing when you was? Yep. Because you were, what, 35? Last All-Star game was 2000 in Seattle. Wow. And he hit a home run into the bullpen, left field. See? That's your man, huh? That's my guy. Can you pull for the Orioles now? 2,632 <laughs> consecutive games played. That'll never be broke. No. No. Mm-mm. All right, play play for you and your brother here. Coke or Pepsi? Pepsi for sure. Both of y'all? My brother's gonna be a he's not he's gonna be a Mountain Dew. He's not gonna he's gonna he's that's, like the, that's them too. I, I like <laughs> Pepsi. We grew up in Coach a Pepsi died, though. Yeah. Yeah. Baseball or football? Baseball, brothers football. Yeah. Baseball uh baseball or deer hunting? Baseball for me. That's yeah. that's what I live and breathe. I would coach if I had time. Really? Yep. My brother ain't much of a deer hunter either, so he'd say baseball. <laughs> uh, wild turkey one hundred and one or hunting turkeys? Wild turkey one hundred and one. With TK and Mike, baby. <laughs> wild turkey one hundred and one. Right. Gonna bust that bird trying to get him some. Fill his head full of lead before the day is done. Wild turkey one hundred and one. That's my granddaddy's box call. <laughs> He was sitting there, he's calling them crows in. That was, that was uh, what was his name? Eddie, Eddie Sauter. He goes, the outdoor star. Yeah, you know, he's choking on that diaphragm call. He keeps beating him in the back. Oh, God, I love TK and Mike. Rest in peace, old buddy. That's it. <laughs> Barbecue or pizza? Pizza. Both of us. College football or NFL? College, both of us. I threw this one in here. I'm sorry. Sitka or Bottomland? I'll tell you my favorite pattern of all time. Is mossy oak tree stand. That's you know I wear a lot mossy of mossy oak tree stand mossy or real oak, tree, mossy tree, oak tree stand. Tree stand. It is mossy oak bottomland with a tree branch. Yeah, over the top. that's what I got. I mossy got, oak I got tree stand is my favorite pattern of all time. And a second one is going to be it. Uh, it was real tree advantage. No, I like the yeah. advantage. Advantage and extra, and um, they all kind of. What's the new one they got now? Edge. Yeah, they all just kind of similar. I. I don't know if you did or not coming up through school or whatever, softball or anything. Did you ever play at Turner Field? Or? I never got to play on Turner Field. Um, I missed a couple of those games. I did play at the Gwinnett Braves. That's about as close as I made it. Okay. Um, snow vacations or beach vacations? Snow. hundred times over. I didn't put it on here, but I know you're a Dodge guy, but Ford or Chevy. If I was going to have to pick between the two, I was going to pick a Chevy, but I am a Dodge guy. There we Are go. you a switch hitter? You can't. If you can't dodge it, ram it. <laughs> you a switch hitter? Uh, no, right-handed. No. I got you. Both of us, right on right. Um, but he he was a lefty. Oh, brother, he shot the gun left-handed. He did. If wrote left-handed, did everything else right-handed. Okay. Huh. You gotta think you, your dominant is his lead eye when you're hitting, and that's the eye that he put on the gun barrel. Hmm. <laughs> uh, Cop- I- Copenhagen or Skull? Neither. Both of us. <laughs> Neither one of y'all chewed tobacco? Neither. Really? Even playing much, baseball. Much boss baseballs you played? Look at them perfect. Extra teeth. spearmint, the mega pack. The hmm. big green with the, the big plastic, green with fold, plastic top. fold top. Yeah. Bubble tape or bubble chew? Uh, Bubble, no, big league chew. Big league big chew. That's big what league I meant. chew, yeah. grape. Oh, boy. I love that grape. It's almost like that Kool-Aid you get at the ball field and make mm-hmm. your belly hurt when you get home. Dang, sure right. Chew it purple for a week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Yep. Salted barbecue or ranch sunflower seeds? Uh, I like the Supreme Taco Taco Bell ones. I like those too. Those are so good. And then the crack, uh, the Old Bay are my favorite. You Old Bay, I ain't tried those. The you Old sit Bay there and hush. Like yeah. Caden likes those, yeah. Elk or mule deer? Elk. Best table fare on earth, in my opinion. And then last one, waterfowl or upland? Ooh. If I was going to die on it, I'd be a waterfowl hunter. There you go. Mm. Turn that uh, heater off. I smell gas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. I smell gas. <laughs> don't that gas. damn gas hit that heater over there. It'll all be up in flames, boys. Turn it all the way off. I just caught a whiff of it. I, I might pass might be my gas. Might be my shoes. I, well, I just caught a whiff of gas. I didn't want to blow the top off a building. That's fair. <laughs> Cal, I appreciate you uh, coming over, buddy, and doing this. Thank y'all for having me and, again. I I love y'all's podcast. I genuinely enjoy listening to it, and I'm more than honored to be a part of it. But I'm y'all are more than just that. It's not just a business association, you know. Like we're friends. Well, we love hundred percent. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love you. I mean it. Love you. Mean it Absolutely. every time, and I mean it. I don't yeah. just say it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I got a question that kind of pertains back because you were you are from the early days of the podcast. I mean, it was we started the podcast um, almost a year before we had you on for the first time, but we'd met you the summer before we had you on. What's the what's something that you've seen us do that that kind of you'd like to see us do more of? You know, as far as as podcasts go, I mean, and, and I'm asking that because you are a longtime listener, follower of it. What is there something that you would like to see us do more of? I, I love just the easiness of y'all's conversations. Just like you said earlier, it's just having a conversation with these folks. It's nothing is scripted. You don't go through here and you're not, you know, it's not like talking to a robot. I've been on some other podcasts and it, it was felt very forced and like scripted, like check, 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 check. Yeah. Whereas we can get off on these tangents and then come back very easily. <laughs> and that's something that I really love. And it's genuine because we can relate. This is just like having a conversation mm-hmm. and on a break at work or with your buddies in a hunt camp. And I love that, and I don't yeah. ever want that to change. And if it does, I'll call you out on it <laughs> so fast. I don't think that that is something that's we'll definitely not your change. problem. No, no. It's, I, we get on some tangents now, and the the conversations when we have them like this, what you're talking about, we get better feedback from folks. They're like, dude, I loved y'all just sitting around shooting the bull, and it's great to get people on and guests and stuff, but. I like when folks like you come to the studio. These are my favorite episodes because you can have a genuine conversation with somebody that you can't have on the phone and stuff like Correct. that. It's so. tough with the delay. I know y'all have done some of the videos in, and it's hard because trying to read the room and body language yeah. can be difficult at times where as in person it's just yeah. way better. Yeah. So, Cody, what else you got? Nothing. Just glad to see you as always. You're his hero, by the way, Cal. Oh, yeah. No. I look up with Cal. No. We are all on even playing field. <clears throat> he, he he dressed up. He wore that shirt specifically for a He had to work today. Day. He had to be presentable at work yeah. today. That's what we're going to tell everybody anyway. Nick knows how hard I work. I do. Yeah. Y'all, leave, y'all leave him alone. Big boss man. That's my driver. <laughs> hey, driver. <laughs> That's my driver. You keep him. I'm, I'm going to take me a Valium or something or whatever the pills are to relax. You calm down on the drive down there. <laughs> He's, I drive fast. Hey, don't choke on that pot call this week. <laughs> if, I got that damn, if I got that damn pot call in my mouth, we got a mate. We got a whole other problem other than me worrying about calling a turkey and <laughs> choking. I can't wait to see him up there. 
I can't either. I, I can't I'm wait. To, I'm, I'm really excited for you. You're going to do great. I Don't, can't wait. They say call her whatever number he draws, and he walks up there, and, and I get, I'm on video. I get to so witness. We'll, you going to hear his knees knocking together. Probably so. Uh-huh. Don't uh, be yeah. shaking your head. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Wait till you get up there and everybody looking at you. Uh-huh. Really? Yeah. I don't care for people to watch uh-huh. me. Uh-huh. You'll, be, you'll be nervous. Yeah. You'll I be th- nervous. I think hey, anybody that would gonna walk up good. there. Yeah. You're going to be just <laughs> It's not normal. Just get up there and play yeah. that How play many that judges tune. are there? Huh? How many judges are there? You can't see Generally five. That's, that's less than the last jury I said. <laughs> 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 I wasn't nervous then. That was a misdemeanor. Oh, <laughs> I do, I do want you to do it while Cal's here. Um, thoughts by Nick. I want to go. We we've got a little bit of time left. I think. I mean, we're not. In, uh, yeah, hurt, but I do. Y'all want. Random, uh, random thoughts by Nick. We do have a new segment coming very soon that will be coming to talk about it outdoors, featuring. Um, and and I hope he listens to it because we're going to start featuring um, story time on here with none other than Adam DeBoard. Adam DeBoard, my cousin, is going to start doing Random Facts Story Time uh, with us on the podcast. We're going to do it from time to time, so be looking for that on an upcoming episode. He's, I, I've actually talked to him about it. You brought it to my attention that it was something that we might do. You and I kind of brainstormed it. I had a conversation with him. He has sent me a list of stuff, deer cooler days, when he was hunting when he was a kid, things like that, and he has got some cool stuff. And I told him, I said, listen, Adam. You've got to keep it somewhat clean, professional, no profanity. And he said, well, I'm out. <laughs> and he said, no, I'm just kidding. He said, I'd love to. So he's, he's, he's actually sent me a list of stuff, and I think it's going to be something really cool. We're going to start featuring those on here. And uh, I think it'll be, I think it'll be pretty neat. I so. ain't, man, I ain't, wrote none, I ain't wrote no good ones down in a while. I think I asked this one before, but I might, I might ask too. Let me ask this one. To you, Cal, we might have answered this for. What's a, what's a smell that you generally like? An odd smell. An odd smell. A that smell like, that you takes you back to a memory. Pumping gas. Pumping gas. The first time I ever pumped gas was in the '94 Suburban that I still own at an Amoco station, uh, two miles from our store. Growing up, dude. Amoco had the strongest gas, did yeah. they not? The brown, the brown logo Amoco. You know, it's had the brown outside with the red and the blue. Hmm. So it's funny you ask that question because just this afternoon I got a message from Jeremy Prince, and Jeremy listens to the show, and he said, uh, so I'm a little behind on episodes, but I just listened to the one where y'all was talking about the smell of something taking you back. And when you said peach and berry blend snuff, it hit me. I'm going to stop on the way home to the house and see if I can find some. I said, man, that's awesome. He said, it sure ain't the same as back in high school, but Lord, did I take a walk down memory lane on the ride home, and I thank you for that. So Jeremy's Jeremy, um, he's kind of been out of hunting. Um, he said that he, he hadn't hunted in years, but he's got two boys and they're wanting to get back into it. And he said, listening to the show is kind of giving him a little invigoration. He wants to come, you know, hang out. So I told him, bring him to the studio and check it out. But it's funny I, I love, and if you're listening to the show and we talk about something, please send us a message, mm-hmm, whether yeah. it's me, the podcast, Cody, Nick, whoever, send us a message about it and something you enjoyed about it because it's gotten more common as of late. We get those messages. So if you listen to something and you like it, text me, you got my number, whatever, Just it's neat to get those stories. We love them. I mm-hmm. mean, it's it's one of the things that I've enjoyed the most about it is hearing, man, you took me back to this or you took me back to if that. If you don't so. have Alex's number, it's <clears throat> seven. <laughs> I don't care. Here, here's a Here's a – Random thought that I see a lot of just driving around, and 
and I'm sure you guys have seen him, seen a lot of them like I have, but may not pay attention to it. But is there a mass amount of car washes now, or is it just me? Yes, 100%. Yeah. Are we laundering money? Someone, some, yeah. They're washing dude, money. Dude, they're everywhere. <laughs> Everywhere. There's not the a big ones. If you go in, I don't care if you go into a small town. They're building they're, three in yeah, our town three. right now. Have you have you ever seen Breaking Bad? That no, was how it? they mon- laundered their money. That, car wash. That and Dollar Generals. Oh yeah, well, Dollar Generals are given, but car wash is like really. You only have to be a mile apart from each other to open another Dollar General. I if mean, you want really? To be a franchise one mile. Is those car washes knocking that much money down? But they close them. Oh, yeah. the, the the operational time frame is five to seven years on a Dollar General, and they close them down. That's how they they rotate money. They keep them going, keep them going, keep them the going. The car washes, though, um, I don't know. I can't find it. The math doesn't math. Have you ever been in a Dollar General that didn't have shit piled everywhere in the <laughs> no. floor? No. Have you ever been in a Dollar General where the employees are not standing by the propane tank smoking outside? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, you have an employee standing outside smoking. I'm going to start a new segment next time it's going to snow, and I'm going to go and interview people coming out of Dollar General. Could you imagine how viral that would go? <laughs> Interviews outside of Dollar General before Somebody probably storm. grabbed the camera from you and interview you. Yeah. Brought <laughs> to you by Talk About It Outdoors. Brought to you what, by Cal Hardy. What are you doing? That ravioli and that company. vanilla ice cream, them Cheerios, and baby wipes. <laughs> I, I think um I think car washes do extremely well. They must for as many people's putting them up. I I tell you, and if they're if they're ran correctly, because I have to inspect the ones in the town where we live because of the water rights and stuff. You know, there's there's not a lot of there's not a ton of overhead on those things too. They recirculate about ninety percent of that water. I was wondering that. Yeah, they have to. Um, and I, as many people as I see in, at the ones in Canton, and and I think too, it has a lot to do, Tyler, because me and Tyler talk about this all the time. Is I think people are like lazier now and don't have time, and they're like, everybody's so busy. It's easy. You got that thirty dollar a month plan. You can drive through it as much as you want to. But I also drive through it every day. I yeah. also think a great sales pitch is they got free vacuums. Yeah, you know what I mean. Free. Oh, they got a free vacuum. I'm going. I just I'm wish they gave you the rags still. The I rags know. and the spray. That, that some of them do still. That well, that and Canton, Canton don't. It, it makes, makes me mad. God almighty. And then the format thing's always broke. And it don't work. Anymore. Shut them down, Cody. You got the ability. Ever been to an auto bell where they hand dry it? You run through the automatic, and then they come out and hand dry your truck. That's how the one across the, the road is. No, they they have to <laughs> they wear to belt buckle down low. covers so they don't scratch your car. <laughs> Why can't you? Mm. It's not anything bad. Midget is not I a bad been word. Bell. I've been a Taco Bell. Little people is the PC term. Little li- equal opportunity <laughs> employer here. They can't reach the top. They get the bottom. Fair. Caleb, you need a job. <laughs> you go to, the, you go to work at the car wash. <laughs> Oh, oh my goodness! Say tangent. I love it. Get off on them. Yeah. Oh man, what else you got, Nick? I'm good. I think that's a, a good random thought. Watch out for your car washes, y'all. <laughs> well, Cal, like everybody said, we appreciate you coming over here and doing it. We uh, we do appreciate everything you've done for us, not only through the the podcast, but as a friendship. It it does mean a lot. Um, I, I don't necessarily think that um, you should 
put anybody on a pedestal in life, but we do look up to you in a lot of ways. You are a uh, you are a very likable person. I've never heard anyone say anything bad about you. I'm sure there may be some ladies out there that uh, that might disagree <laughs> I don't with know what that. You're about. <laughs> I have zero idea what you're talking about. But people genuinely love to uh, to meet you when you come to shows or come to our bow shoot and things like that. So are we going to get to see Arrowhead Land Company at the the Talk About It Outdoors bow shoot this year? You dang right. I can't wait. <laughs> you dang right. Hey, just be approachable. Smile at people. You'd be surprised at what it'll do for oh, you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, hey, I, I love it. That's my motto. Just smile at them. You attract people you don't want to sometimes, though. That's okay. That's <laughs> I don't okay. know. I've attracted some savory characters in my life. But... That's when the phone rings. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Bring... Oh, that's my daddy. I got to get yeah. out of here. Yeah. This is emergency. Sorry, I got to take this. Well, we appreciate you coming over. Thank y'all for having me. Alex, Always. before you end this thing, you got to give the audience a little bit of that chirping that you've been working on so they can a, score you. I ain't even got a call. Give him a call over there, Caden. Don't give choke on it now. Give me, give me my, you know, give me the one in my bag over there. I've got it teamed in. Tyler, not, he always puts me on the spot. He's got to call a little not bit. That, not that per pot. Bring me that other one. Y'all comment on this and judge. Let's hear the judge. Tyler, I got me a, t- a satchel. I sent Sawyer in the house last night to get that from Jessica. I said, go in there and get that satchel out of your mama's closet. And uh, she said, what is a satchel? What do you think about that? Koozie. I like it. What is that? Rack Ranch. Rack them. He, he drew that camo and oh, rack ball. had it put up. So <laughs> You remember that? Rack and Willie. Yeah. Call rack ball. Rack, rack, rack ball. <laughs> Call it out, Nick. It, what you want to do? Plain yelp of a hen. Not bad. Oh, squeak thirteen. <laughs> Not bad, buddy. Well, well, we'll see how it does. It ain't gonna win no prizes. The hell, as long as I don't get last place. Podium. I'm just, I'm just hoping Podium. for not a last place finish. That's that's always been my goal in life is not to finish last. You can't be first if you finish last. <laughs> <laughs> you like that, don't you? Write that uh, down. Yeah, I'm, that's gonna be in the D board book of sayings. <laughs> I have a few saved in my phone from you that you don't know about. Oh, my God. I hope you reuse them from time to time. I and, do. and I hope you don't quote me on them. I do. People are gonna be 100%. Like, I give you all the credit. There's something wrong with Who is that fellow? There's something wrong with him. You associate with those people? Uh, well, we will uh, be on the backside of, of calling um, when this uh, when this episode drops out. Hopefully a lot to talk about that on on next week or the week after this episode, we got some guests coming in tomorrow night. Some guys from uh, – who's those guys, Nick? Um, what's their name again? Oh, yeah, the Slim Reaper boys are coming back to see us in studio. It's kind of our turkey season kickoff. If you're interested in any what? kind of – huh? What? What? What happened? He said tur- turkey season turkey kickoff. Season. Oh, it is turkey season kickoff. So, uh, Arrowhead Land Company, Cal Hardy, 770-296-2163. If you're interested in any kind of land for farm, for a homestead, wherever you want to get out to, make sure you hit him up. He can help you out anywhere in the state of Georgia. He is a broker over the state, and pretty soon he'll be available in Alabama. Like he said, 
If you're interested in finding out more about the Brooks Hardy Foundation, make sure you check them out. It's Brooks Hardy Foundation on all uh, social media platforms. We're on Instagram only right now, um, but or you can reach out to me. But most of our stuff will go on Instagram. We're working on Facebook as well. So that's coming soon. Um, Be like Brooks. It's a it's a slogan that you can live by. Brooks was a shining light in everything that he did, and he's uh, he just like Cal, and, and he's one of those per- people in life that uh, you, you you meet and you never forget. So. Definitely, uh, definitely keep remembering Cal and his family and your thoughts and prayers as they move forward into the rest of the year. If you need anything out there, you want to talk to somebody, you need anything going on, make sure you reach out to one of us. If there's something bothering you and we can help you out, don't hesitate to reach out to us. We get those messages and we're thinking about those folks as well. So for everyone here at Talk About It Outdoors, we want to remind you to smile as you go, but don't forget, mount the memories. Building the foundation of your life starts at the base, and the stronger it is, the better. Talk About It Outdoors is proud of our strong partnership with United Concrete and Paving and the foundation of support they provide. Whether your new home being built needs concrete work or that driveway you're tired of beating all the bearings from your pickup needs a paving, Michael and his team can provide any residential or commercial project support you might need from the ground up. If you're tired of tripping over that unsettled patio slab or a future shop build needs a smooth start, United Concrete and Paving can get you going when you need it most. Give them a call at 404-831-3036 and make sure you tell them them TAI boys are where you heard it first. A few years back, When an overbearing and overgrown backyard became an eyesore, I looked for a solution to resolve. LRS Land Services created a stunning and complete transformation turnkey at an affordable price with their mulching services. Not limited to mulching, LRS can provide turnkey grading and clearing, maintenance, right-of-way clearing, and even development for any and all forestry needs. With an innovative outlook on what is best for your land and a completely different approach than others, LRS can transform your overgrown eyesore into a beautiful landscape of your dreams. Give them a call at 404-889-1105 or check their work out on Facebook at LRS Land Services. Logan and his team are ready to make your land brand new again. Are you in need of a decluttering? barn or garage slap full of stuff you just don't need or is your construction site needing a dumpster give our buddy tony at georgia junk and dumpster rental a call with services ranging from junk removal to roll-offs georgia junk is here to help with any and all removal needs if it's time to get that parking spot back or the boat needs a place inside tony and his team can surely assist Servicing Cherokee, Cobb, Bartow, and surrounding counties, give them a call at 404-406-3501 or check them out on Facebook at Georgia Junk. Clean up the yard in short order with Georgia Junk. Georgia Junk.